This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by our partners at Gold Star, who figure into this week's episode. Check out our entire collection of Gold Star apparel at CincyShirts.com. Click on the Partners tab, drop-down menu, and select Gold Star Chili, Gold Star Chili, Small Batch Chili, and Handcrafted Hamburgers. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 77. Today on our show, Tom and Chi co-founder, Corey Ward. We were the first company to ever actually physically cook something on the show. We, like, started the... So we had to start it, have it plugged in grilling, and then they, like, took the whole thing away from us to bring out onto the stage. So then we had to, like, walk out. So we really didn't know when we flipped open that lid if they were going to have burned donuts or not. A Cincinnati original, Tom and Chi was co-founded by Corey and his business partner, True Quackenbush. Corey joins us to talk about the anatomy of that famous grilled cheese donut appearing on Shark Tank, as well as Food Network and Travel Channel, and more, as a matter of fact. And we learn about the pitfalls of the franchising model. Interesting stuff. Be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. So now, let's talk to Corey Ward. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I Cincinnati She came down from Cincinnati Just maybe think of me once in a while I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati I was just shopping in Loveland a couple weeks ago Yeah? That's a cool spot up there It's like it's own little It's just that one little block yeah. I was just like, oh. It was kind of, it was a terrible day to go canoeing, but. <laughs> a little hot? Or no, it was uh, raining. Actually, it was raining. It's kind of cold. But we're like, daughter's in. And she's like, there's no, like, there's no going back at that point. And you're like, oh, we're canoeing. Like, yay. And then it's like, yeah. But, we can only get better from there. Yeah, but it, it was like half raining thing. And then we got, we got to the river. Like, we just hung out under some trees for about 10 minutes. And the rain stopped. And then it was fine. There was nobody on the. There was like another group of like four people on the bus with us, and that's the only people we saw pretty much the entire time. Really? Which was cool because there were the animals were out. Like, we got to see one of those big cranes like eating a snake. Which was oh, nice. wow. Like the real. So you didn't have like the partiers on your. Yeah, there's nobody there. It's all mama deer with her little fawn that was like this big. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I've never seen a deer that small, and it was like. It's really funny because like when they got close enough to us that the mom was like, eh, I'm freaked out. Like she kind of took off and like the baby defend itself. <laughs> it was yeah. like, like totally couldn't get over this log. It was trying and trying and the mom was just like, Poof. see ya. <laughs> time, to, time to live. So yeah, so today we're here with Corey Ward, everybody. And you were, we already interviewed you once in 2014, 15, Something 16. Like when Josh and I were like, hey, let's do a podcast. And uh, I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. But let's not flake out. Let's, like, really do it. And uh, we did, like, four episodes, and we flaked out. <laughs> and you were one of the four episodes. I think I might have been two of the four episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you were. Yeah, because that was another thing, too, is because we, 
Oh my gosh, we started out and we talked about like literally every day up until Shark Tank, like in your life. And it was just like, man, like when are we going to get to it? Huh. So if you guys want to hear the backstory on Corey Ward, is it even. It was, it, I think that one might have gotten up? deleted by accident. All right, well, maybe <laughs> we'll put that in an archives behind a paywall. And if you guys want to hear Corey's story, uh, you know, leading up to the Tom and Chi days, then that's that's probably a good spot to. A good thing to check out. But anyway, a little, little background on you. So uh, you went to art school. You, you yeah, I went comic to comic book artist. You, you're a drawing guy. Yeah. yeah I went to a little two-year for-profit art schools. It's not around anymore. Um, uh, <laughs> was that the Art Institute? I think they changed their, might have changed their name, something really close to that. Okay. So, uh, they changed their names a couple times. But um, yeah, I went there. Um, as soon as I got out of school, I went out to California, <clears throat> did the whole comic book thing for a while that was a lot of fun and I came back here and started making t-shirts yeah with uh so you're working with what ripple junction at the time yeah right? the ones got ripple junction yeah um worked there for a while that was a lot of fun um they went out to blue ash and at the time i was living in clifton and walking to work every day so i was like that's a really far way to go so Oh, you just said, screw it, I'm not going up there? <laughs> yeah. I have a job like, doing art and drawing and design, and I'm not going to drive 10 miles? It was like a half hour. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> traffic. traffic. Yeah. You're right. The hard times. The hard... Uh, so, I left... <laughs> the hands were dealt. <laughs> so, I left there, um, did some more art at a different place, and then while well, I was working there, I got the idea to do... To make grilled cheese. We started Tom and Chi. Started selling grilled cheese donuts. Yeah, so... So, so what made you want to do that? So, so you're, you're an artist. You're doing, uh, you know, the comic book thing. Um, I mean, did you like cooking at all? Were you always experimental in the kitchen? Or? Yeah, yeah. I've always cooked. I um, my parents actually owned a little ice cream dairy bar when I was a kid. So I started working in the kitchen of a restaurant when I was like 12 years old. Got there, got behind the grill. Like all those child labor laws yeah. do not apply to family. So, burnt myself. A few times pretty bad on the, on the deep fryer, but that was fun. Um, so this kind of was my start in the kitchen. I've always, like, even, like, through high school and stuff, I have um, was like, a manager at a little pizza place. I waited tables and did kind of all that stuff going through college and stuff. I've always kind of wanted to do my own thing, like, um, even as a kid, like, I used to paint pumpkins and go door-to-door and sell them and stuff like that. Yeah. Money. <laughs> so, um, just at the time, like, you could see, like, food was becoming super popular. It was, like, we are getting ready. It was, like, 2009, so the recession was getting ready to hit pretty hard. And, like, it's a perfect time to start a business, <laughs> um, especially, like, a food business because people, when they start cutting expenses, uh, the last thing they cut is going out to eat in a nice place because... It's like the small luxury they can still kind of get sort of thing. So we're like, this is a perfect time to start a restaurant. And because obviously, too, like real estate was super cheap at the time. So we started, didn't like, didn't have any money. So all we could really afford was a tent and a grill. So we started on Fountain Square and kind of worked our way up from there. Within a year, we had our first brick and mortar store on Court Street. Um, six months later, we were down at the levee and then we kind of just blew up from there. Did you have a wow. truck in between? We did not have a truck. Okay. A lot of people think we had a truck. There, yeah. There is a grilled cheese truck, say cheese. There is. Downtown, yeah. And the uh, Georgia one has one. Yes, Kennesaw does yes. have a yep. yeah. Wow. So before Tom and she, no one was making the grilled cheese donut. No. I have searched the internet because somebody at one point one time called us out and they're like, you didn't invent it. And I searched and searched and I could not find anything pre So what made you what made you guys come up with it? Well, it was late at night. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine that. As it always is. Most, most good ideas are late at night. And honestly, um, within a week, me and my wife, Jenny, had seen it on three different food specials. That, um, they're called the Luther Vandross, which is Krispy Kreme. Use Krispy Kreme donuts as a bun on a bacon cheeseburger. Okay. And we, were, we knew we were doing the tent. We hadn't opened the tent yet. And we were just like kind of watching it. By the third time we saw it within a week, we were just like, we could totally do that if we got rid of like the hamburger. So we did. Oh, nice. And so we, you're doing regular grilled cheese first. The donut, no, no, the we, donut wasn't first. the... It all, came at the, it all came before we opened. We knew we were going to open. Okay. Like, we had the name, we had the spot, we just hadn't physically opened the tent yet. So you knew tomato soup, the grilled cheese yeah. on standard Texas toast or something? Yeah. And okay. then it was just like, we could totally do that. We should do that. Yeah. So we did it, and we went and got Krispy Kreme donuts, and that's when we figured out that Krispy Kreme donuts are not donuts. They are tiny fried pastries. Yeah. So if you put them on a grill, they just deflate. Disintegrate. Kind of yeah, they just like, yeah, uh, totally go away. And it's just, all air. Yeah, we didn't know that. So they were like, oh, excited. This is going to be great. And we're like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, we can't sell this. <laughs> so we went out and bought a bunch more donuts. And then we settled in on a, more of a cake donut. Okay. So or did yeast, you uh, experiment? Did you talk to like Holtman's or anybody like that? Like, come on, let's partner up and be our donut people. Or, or other Kroger like, and just buy a box of Lay's? Kroger for like, yeah, like two dozen. If I could get a dozen, I think for like $2. Yep. It was way cheap. And they're cake donuts? Wow. No, th- those were the um, yeast glaze. We, well, we tried, we okay. went through all the donuts. And yeah, we, so we ended up yeah, with the yeast glaze ones at um, Kroger. We used those, we used those until we really got on their nerves. And we were like literally like wiping <laughs> out like all their stores like every morning. Like, so then we had a deal for a while where they were shipping them to a store for us to pick up by the case, but that didn't last long until they were hmm. just like, no. Because, I mean, I think they were selling that as like a loss leader kind of thing to get people in the store for donuts, and we were buying them at that price. They're they often, oh. they often on sale. Yeah, yeah. I so we were, I mean, we were just awesome. rushing. Took nah. advantage. Yeah. That rules. So where'd you go for donuts after that? Um, we had to find our own people to make donuts, and that was a process in of itself. Because the Kroger donut has got like multiple patents on it. It doesn't seem like it's like that technologically advanced, no. but apparently it is. It's an really? oct- it's an octagon shape. Well, they have to get theirs made somewhere. Oh, that's... yeah, it's a private whole thing, and they um, and it's, they're also coated. They're glazed on both sides. Which most donuts, they just jump right. the glaze as they go down a conveyor belt. Boop, boop. But yeah, yeah. they don't do that with the, those, cause, which also really helps because it helps with the sugar content on the grilled cheese donut to have the sugar on both sides. So ah, Secrets. Those little, yeah, yeah, those little things. And all of a sudden, like, when you're just like, we need a new donut. Like, how hard is that going to be? And then, like, three months later, you're like, man, this is really hard to find the right donut. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, so you guys figured it out. You guys mm-hmm. put the grilled cheese donut on the map. Um, as well as tomato soup and grilled cheese in general, and you guys would put Grippos potato chips on them yes. and everything else. Grippos was yeah. There's people still we set the switch eventually, and people still miss the Grippos on the barbecue bacon. Yeah, they say it doesn't taste the same, and I think they're right. It doesn't. I'm like, what? Are, what the heck are these Grippos made out of? It's like sugar well, and something like out I don't of the know. woods. Folks, go if you're curious about uh, potato chips, go back and listen to the Head of the Woods episodes. Turns out there's more to <laughs> potato chips than you would realize. There's all different kind of potatoes that are used, and I reckon they probably use a different kind of potato and a different kind of oil. Yeah. I think well, was, I mean, just the seasoning in general is just like, what yeah, the yeah. heck is this? But anyway. Yeah, so people like Grippos. That's not a surprise. Yeah. Grippos, if you want to sponsor, let us know. Yeah, so you, so you guys, you, you have your store on Court Street, and then you signed a lease on the Levy. Yep. So the Levy was your first big boy store, right? Yeah. Like, that was like, built out and... 
No. Like we still didn't have any no. money. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a paint job, sort of. Uh, right on. And then so if you still in there, I mean up until like a couple years after we opened, they were still had like it was it had been a burrito place before, so there were still like the southwest patterns were still on all the benches and stuff. All we really did was give it a coat of paint and they had one weird wall like where you queued up for line we cut down half of that wall that's all we did that was it yeah i mean even when we first opened like the rice cookers and everything were still on the line because so it's like a mall store where you could tell it was something else but you just moved in and oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was painfully obvious like there's a, why is there a giant rice cooker in the line like we don't serve anything with rice but it's really heavy and we had no place else to put it so it stayed there for a while that's awesome but and, that but, but you guys crushed it yeah that was i mean we were doing more on sales on like a saturday there than we were like all week on court street it wow. was crazy. It was like pretty much night and day. We had that store open maybe maybe a month when we got the call from um, Man vs. Food Nation. Or like Travel Channel was coming into town. Oh, yeah. Film. So that was like the first thing that really got it, kind of got us out there into the public on a national level. And that was crazy. So were you out sending uh, you know press packets or whatever to these places to get noticed? Or did you just got a random call? Yeah, no, I mean... I don't know how much they were too tight to get. I was harassing everybody all the time. Yeah. Kind of like, hey, we're Tom and Chi, we're awesome. Like, I mean, our first write-up technically was in the Boston Globe. They wrote about us before the Inquirer wrote about us. It was like a one-sentence thing on a bigger article about grilled cheese. But it was like, but yeah, we were reaching out to everybody and anybody that we thought could possibly care. Because at some point, like, so the whole food thing was becoming very trendy at the time. And food trucks were becoming very trendy. And the whole, like, outside food vending was. So I knew somebody would eventually pick up on it. And it was just a matter of being in the right place at the right time. And they were um, – Izzy's did the work of getting Food Network to come here. But then, like, I think, like, at that time when they were doing their searching, it was like Adam picked the other two restaurants he went to that episode. And oh, okay. So they knocked some out, got some in the can, and you guys yeah. were one of those. Yeah, because we were on Man vs. Food Nation, which is when he, like – had to give up on, like, eating all the food. Oh. <laughs> so this is weird. So he would go to one place, have somebody from that town come and do the eating, or he was, like, just hang out. So, yeah, so the other restaurants, they would just kind of go and hang out and see what they were doing. So, um, so but at the time, we were, like, 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 Yelp. We were on their top, like, 10 thing when you went to their website for Cincinnati and, like, a bunch of other stuff. We were, like, ranked really high. So I think that helped kind of get their attention. And we were the new cool place, and we had the grilled cheese donut. So they came out and they filmed the grilled cheese donut and they filmed our um, our little getta grilled cheese, the Armageddon that was done for the, the end of the Mayan calendar at the time. And then yeah. it was on the calendar when they came, so it, it kind of stuck to the to the menu since then. So all right, so so you're getting some traction. You're on uh, you know on national television. So did you guys see like a spike in sales directly after that? Was it like? here and then get got back to normal or did that just put you into overdrive and we're not looking back yeah it pretty much put us in overdrive um it aired on a thursday thursday night it aired so we're like totally like it was wednesday night it aired so we're like totally prepared to get crushed like friday night moving forward like it's gonna be crazy everybody's gonna see it come down here in the weekend it's gonna be nuts and we showed up um thursday morning at the restaurant at like 10 o'clock in the morning and there's like 200 people outside waiting to get in wow and we were just Whoa. kind of like oh like, like our bread order is not going to be here for a while. Like, we don't have enough anything for these people because we were still really slow, especially during like that early in the day. And it, it was like it was kind of a little freak out moment. We had um, this one kid in line. Jacob had applied for a job like a week or two earlier. We told me we didn't have anything available, and it was just one of the situations where it was just like, Jacob, you still need a job. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And we're like, get in the back. 
<laughs> so it was yeah, it was crazy. Awesome. And it, it never let up. It um we saw a huge jump in sales. And then yeah, it was pretty much that was like became the new normal. And that's what um Adam had told us before too. We'd we'd asked him about it, like what to expect, and he said basically expect between like a fifty to ninety percent jump in sales and that'll be forever. Your, your new normal, and it's pretty much it's held up, which is nice. Because coming off of that too, they um, they shot for twelve hours that day, so they ended up using the footage for a couple other shows that they had ran to, which was which was really fun and cool. But they didn't tell us, oh, so, so you don't know when you're gonna get these hits. No, I saw this in like some random like you know, eight thirty at night, like Twitter starts going crazy, and you're just like, what are these people talking about? And they're like, they're all like hashtagging the show that you've never heard of. Yeah. And you flip on the TV and right, well, just like it fades and, out. And now uh, a lot of those shows are ending up on like there's this thing called Pluto TV. It's a free uh, recommended by the way, folks. They're not a, not a sponsor. They should be, but it's um a lot of what their content is. It's all these old shows from Food Network and Travel and A and E and all these old reality shows. So. You never know. You could be on there right now for all I know. <laughs> yeah, but these are whole brand new shows. Yeah, yeah. That were but, I mean, even in a repeat, someone might look at it and go, oh, wow. <laughs> yes. And, well, the reruns are funny. At one point, between all the shows on Travel Channel, we were on the Travel Channel 12 times in a week. I think that was the most I ever counted, like, as far as, like, going through all the Man vs. Food Nations. All the, the reruns countdowns, and, and yeah. 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Bearings. Wow. East Coast, West Coast feed. <laughs> I wasn't counting that much. <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right. So, yeah, so, so that, that puts you – so things are going good right now. Yeah. Uh, and then so you're still sending out resumes and press kits to Shark Tank. and Yeah, uh, yeah we started Shark Tank, like, even from the tent. And it was just like okay, – so, so from the beginning, that was kind of your goal. Yeah, I mean, I watched Shark Tank when it was still on the um, it was good. ABC. Yeah. And stuff, and they were showing it from Canada and, like – so I'd been watching it for a while. I was like, super excited. The British version you started? They, it was Canadian, I think. Okay. But, but, I, but it guaranteed. Because in Britain, it's Dragon's Den. Is it Shark Tank in Canada, too? I, I think it's still the Dragon's Den. Okay. I think. Weird. Okay. I, was, I remember. I was watching it on Canadian. I don't know. I've been watching it for a while. I just thought Shark Tank was original, damn it. It's actually a Japanese well, the, show. The radio ah, show I listen to in Britain, they always they, they offer uh, this, uh, my favorite DJ, Scott Mills, he will give the phone number to the one lady who's on the Dragon's Den, and he'll have a listener call her with this idea, and she's usually very dismissive and rude to them. <laughs> that's a terrible idea. And I don't think she's ever once liked an idea that way. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, that's a little shtick that they do. But carry on, I'm sorry. <laughs> I digress. That's awesome. Yeah. But I love that show. So, yeah, getting on was always a, a goal, and we would alternate the emails from, like, and, like we're just two couples from middle America trying to achieve the American dream. Like, yeah, yes. And the other one would be more about, like, our stats and what was happening and how much we were selling, which got a lot easier as we were starting to do stuff on, like, Man vs. Food and all the Travel Channel stuff. And then we started franchising as well. So by the time we actually got the call from um, Shark Tank, we had two locations open in Louisville and we're in the middle of opening their third Okay, and you guys had run those. Those were all separate. Yeah, those were separate at the time. Yeah, and then... um, So, yeah, getting on Shark Tank was um, fun. It was like... um, just a random phone call, sort of out of the blue at that point. Cause I've been sent many to him for a couple of years now, and then they're just like, "Hey, like, start the process." Because we like, there's a, a hundred ways to apply for Shark Tank. Like, you can make videos, you can go to open casting. Like, we were back in season four, so we I literally was just writing an email, like no pictures, no videos, no anything, and they picked up on it. Um, I've, some people from the show I've talked to have they've just gotten straight up cold called, like, like, hi. Like, we saw your Etsy store. We're producers from Shark Tank. Would you like to come on? Wow. <laughs> so we weren't that out of the 
blue, but we were would probably one of the hardest ways to get selected because they had the least amount of visual. Like, so you lobbied input. to get on. Yeah, like, okay. everybody does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so it was a process though, and um, kind of going on like the producers are very hands off. They're just a matter of like they told us to like make us like I think was we started off at like five minutes. They're like make us like, do your pitch video like five minutes. Send it to us. So we're like, okay, so we're still trying to open the store down in Louisville. Like, we're in ho- filming this in hotel rooms and stuff while we're doing all their training. We get together, send it off to them, get back right away, and they're like, hey, this is great. Like, could you do it, like, better and shorter? And we're like, four minutes. So we're from, like, four minutes to three minutes, and from three minutes to, like, a minute and a half. And it's, like, their only input ever was just, like, better and shorter, better and shorter. <laughs> Because they didn't like, I guess they were worried about trying to influence and try to present you what they want you to say. So they're just kind of like, yeah, we ain't got all day here. Figure it out yourself. So um, went through that process. That was fun. Um, then if we get, we're getting closer to when we were going to go on. Like we were getting a lot of phone calls because every time you got on the phone with them, it was like we can't promise you anything. So it was to the point of like we can't promise you anything, but if we needed you to, could you fly out next week? Sure. And a couple of days later, they'd be like, not that we're promising anything, but um, if we were to get you airplane tickets, what names would we put on the airplane tickets? <laughs> and this kept going and going and going until it was like literally like, oh, we're not promising you anything, but your flight leaves tomorrow, like 945. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I wow. guess I'm leaving tomorrow. And that was fun. Um, I mean, do you guys have your pitch together? It's like, that's yeah. kind of like, you, you see. doing the video over and over again. Well, right? you knew with the video, like their, their, their time ask went from like a week to a couple of days to whatever they're asking. So that so wasn't you just the background. Was that including your pitch too? Like, hey, oh, it was everything. we're looking for 10% for $20 million. And- yeah, that was the whole thing. Yeah, we just like flew out there and you showed okay. up and we were, oh, we were initially, we cut our ask in half. So I think it went, we on the show, what did we ask for? It's been a long time. Was that decided amongst yourselves? Did someone yeah. else advise you? To, okay, the, the, well, no, the, the, well, at or, the time, the producer did. You guys are asking for a lot of money. Okay. And at the time, we were. At the time, we were one of the highest asked. We had asked for like $600,000 on the show. and then, But I think we were initially going to go in and ask for like $1.2 million. Wow. Yeah, so, so that. Now on the show, is, like people ask for that much money all the time. Yeah. So you guys, I mean, just consider like. What total sales and then multiples and stuff like that? Like, how did you guys? Because I mean, when, when it comes to valuing a business, it's uh, there's so many different factors that go into it, and yeah, you guys did none of that. Well, we knew none of it mattered because whatever we were going to ask for, they were going to like at least cut in half with their like counter offer because nobody ever goes in for like I need a million dollars for ten percent. It's always like great, I'll give it to you for twenty percent. So like, we knew it didn't. We did. We do want to ask for too much because you have to get the money or you don't get anything. Yeah. So we didn't want to make it too high. But at the same and time... They still get a piece no matter what. No. Right? No? no. I thought I'd read that. Where even um, If you appear on the show, they, they they get like something. That was in the first few years of the contracts, oh, okay. but then um, like Mark Cuban had it like retroactively taken out of like all the contracts. Oh. So... Because yeah, that would have been a pretty sweet deal for... What a, what a nice man. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just thought um, they would get a higher caliber of um, entrepreneur oh, if they took that. Okay. They, they know a lot of people aren't going to give that up just for a chance. To be on, yeah. So, um, okay. But yeah, going out there, doing the pitch was... Um, it was a lot of fun. The One weird part, if we got to the airport and said, we got our plane tickets were bought at the last minute. So as soon as we hit the little gangplank to get on the, the, the airplane, we got surrounded by security and searched... Oh, right. They were just like, they're like, you know, we're searching you. And it's like, because they're playing tickets were bought by a third party less than 24 hours before our flight. 
Okay, it's like, yep. <laughs> you heard of Mark Burnett? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we were like, let's freak out at the time. They're like, you're like, don't tell anybody anything. And then you're like, I think you're going to tell them something. <laughs> I'm not a drug mule, I promise. I'm so, here for my girl cheese business. So, we had paperwork, but we also had like a lot of knives and things in our luggage. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did take, like, take everything. You had to make everything there for them. Yeah. Yeah. We were the first company to ever actually physically cook something on the show. Ooh. Wow. People have served food, but we're the first people yeah, to actually yeah. cook food, which is really scary because we like started the, the grilled cheese donuts and they're like very delicate because there's a lot of sugar that burns. So we had to Ooh. start it, like have it plugged in grilling, and then they like took the whole thing away from us to bring out onto the stage. So then we had to like walk out. So we really didn't know when we flipped open that lid if they were going to have burned donuts or not. Did so. you have to source the donuts in California? No, or? we brought them with us. Okay. So how was that walking out there? They're like, all right, go time. All the lights. They open the doors. I mean, obviously, you don't hear the music. Dun, 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 dun. Or do you? Are they no, playing that live? They're not playing the music. Ah, live. damn it. But, it, um, <laughs> but everything is exactly what, what you see on TV um, to the point of they, they open those doors, and you start walking, and that's it. There's no, like, retakes. There's no redos. There's no anything. You just get out there. You do it. But we had been in the green room for, like, seven and a half hours at that point. So we were just ready to be done. Yeah, yeah. It was just because, like... I've got so many questions here. Who were the sharks? Because that was... Because they've, they've rotated a few in and out. Season four, so it was all the, the core cast. So it was Cuban, like Mark, O'Leary, John. Yeah. The, the computer guy, software guy. The Hershevac, right? Hershevac. Yeah. And then any Barbara, of the ladies? Barbara. Barbara. Okay, Barbara. Okay. So my question then is, first of all, do you kind of have a... Which way you want to steer it? Because from watching the show for years and years, the last guy I'm going to give a deal to is Kevin O'Leary because he always wants... X amount in perpetuity yeah, the royalty forever. forever. Right, for the royalty forever. And the other thing I always notice is, and I don't know if you, if you can, just as a fan of the show, you can agree with this, always look at Cuban, because Cuban will, like, give some kind of tell that the other ones are making a crappy deal. <laughs> it always just always seems that way from watching the show. Yeah. He'll, always be, he'll, he'll always go, like, and shake his... You, can, you can't see this on the podcast, but his eyes get bigger and he shakes his head, and he goes, don't do that. <laughs> don't take that. But none of the other ones seem to do that. Is that Robert it? always gets crapped on. <laughs> like yeah, he always, he always has like a, they're convinced, and then like David comes in, and is like, "Now nah, you want to work with me?" And they're like, "Okay, cool, you're cool." So, but did you have a strategy? Anyway. I guess is my basic question, or do you just hope you have a strategy? Would... You have a strategy. Okay. You totally do. You're like, "This is what we're gonna do." Like, you have yeah, no yeah. idea what's gonna happen when you get out there. <laughs> but you're but you, just uh, like, do you steer it toward one or the other, or you just hope someone bites and says, "Yeah, well." Yeah, you you, know, you think all that stuff, and it's like the whole. Like the whole what's the boxing saying? Everyone's got to play it until they get punched. It's yeah. kind of like that. Where you like you totally know I'm going to go out here and do this, and you just stand there and you start talking, and, and you're just like, whatever happens, happens. Blah. And because when we did it, um, everybody was in. All the sharks were in at one point, except for Damon. So we didn't really. There was no steering that had to be done. Okay. It was just like. I thought they were, like, doubting you guys and, like, what the hell? And then they were like, what's your sales? And you're like, 1.2. And they're like, oh, what, 1,000? They're like, no, million. Yeah, well, that's because, well, at the time, like, nobody had asked for as much money as we had, right? I don't think. I think there might have been one or two ever on the show at that yeah. point had asked for. Because people, a lot of times people were still asking for, like, thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah. The early point of the show. And so I think they were kind of taken aback by that. And then, like, yeah, but then we... Broke out our sales. I think, yeah, we were like 1.2 million in sales at that point. And that's when they, the, the the lights switched in their heads. They're like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. These guys are legit. And they're also, I mean, they do a certain amount of stuff for um, camera, too, that I think they're aware of. It's a TV show. Yeah. Because I always thought, it could be, because the one thing that made it to air that was like sort of harsh was like, 
Mr. Wonderful did his whole thing where he was just like, he's like, your logo is, like, is crap, your menu is crap, is your whole thing crap. And then, like, and then I had a rebuttal, which never made it to the air. But uh, but he always asked me, like, did that make you mad? And I was just like, well, no, because he offered $100,000 for his share of the company, like, two minutes later. I mean, he literally just said it, got it out there, and then made like, tried to make a deal, like, immediately after. And it's just, like, and part of it at the time, I mean, that was kind of, I mean, in some ways, I, were, I wouldn't call it, it was crap, but it was the whole, like, DIY, like, thing. I mean, we were going through that. We were, like, it was all supposed to look like we were just a couple people that started to stay in a tent. Because that's what we were selling at that mm-hmm. point. I mean, even our um, our menus were just like basically like black and white printed on color paper. And our um, Louisville operator was like he had a really good deal on printing, where he was basically having full color copies made that looked like they were black and white printed on yellow paper. So did they, the producers want you to position it like you were still two guys in a tent, or did you say you had four care. stores? Or I guess I'm just saying you have 1.2 million dollars in sales. That's yeah. That's gonna be yeah. people are gonna be like a little. No, they don't. They don't give you any feedback. Okay, that. that's just that's all on you to figure out what you're going to do. They just send you out there, and um, so yeah, it was crazy. Um, getting a deal, and then it was so what? So the deal, it was more than just Barbara. Like on the show, it was Mark he, and Barbara. Okay, and then they kind of going through all the due diligence part where they come and you know they make sure because at the time, I mean, like you were literally telling them everything about your company, like. So they kind of have to believe you. And then, so they send people to, like, the cities to check out your operations and stuff. And um, So even leaving New York, you're like, we got to deal with Mark California, Cuban. Yeah. Oh, God, okay. Yeah. We got uh, we got to deal with Mark Cuban. We got to deal with Barbara. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Crazy. And then within about a month, they both had their people in Cincinnati. Then they went down to Louisville and checked out those stores. Um, it was a long time, though, between... Because we were on the tail end of the filming... So they have, like, all those other deals, like, in front of us. They know they're going to sort of... What, they roughly know what order they're going to air in, loosely, I think. And then uh, they knew we were not going to be until the end, because we were, like... I think they had added more episodes that season that we were on, which we were even filmed. But, um... So was, but, the, like, they came out and visited. They were pretty happy with everything. Um, then kind of just going through, like, closing the deal. Like, Mark Cuban... I don't know if it's anything to do with it or not, but in my head, it does. <laughs> Mark Cuban was involved in Naked Pizza. It was a um, pizza franchise... There's one over in Hyde Park. It, yeah. Or do we do this now? Wasn't there? The one Boy, in Oakley. Know. Was that two gals that ran or I'm thinking of something else? I think something else. This was like a... They like, they blew up from like one location to like a hundred locations in oh, no, a so year. This isn't the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Huh. They were like over in the Middle East and then it like all collapsed. So I think after that he was just like done with franchising. So he was like... He was still into it but he didn't want us to franchise. And then we didn't think we'd asked for enough money to do it any other way but franchising. So we kind of like... How would you not franchise? I mean, that's you just O and O all your all your locations. You just own everything. Yeah, just like oh god, okay. like the just gap or so he, he was still for expanding, but not just he want. Okay, he, he wanted you guys to own your own franchise. Which I think gotcha. at that point, I mean, Chipotle was really hot at the time, so I think there was the idea of getting like a kind of a Chipotle evaluation because when you're looking at a franchise, I mean, you're only your sales are only a percentage of everybody else's sales, which like gets eaten up pretty fast. I mean, look at it as a big giant pie, but um. Okay. So, like, I think he wanted the company to have a lot of value, and being a franchise company, there wasn't going to be a tremendous amount of value there until we got huge. So, um, so he backed out of the deal. So we just did it. We did a smaller, held this valuation from the show. We did a smaller deal with Barbara, and kind of like went move forward with her. So was that like crushing once once Cuban backed out? Where you kind of like, or you didn't really care, or what? Didn't like it was it was a weird day. But at that point, where you're like, "What are we getting ourselves into? Maybe we should have just stay the course." Yeah, well, it's a weird day where you're like, 
if we're still working in the restaurants where you get done with your lunch rush and then you kind of look at everybody and be like, okay, I guess we're going to tell Mark Cuban no now. And you go over <laughs> and you call him. <laughs> hey, we're calling Mark Cuban. Tell him no thanks. And that's that's a weird day. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, did but, you actually talk to him at no. any point after the show? No. The only time you ever came in contact with Mark Cuban is on... Yeah, the few like, seconds you saw on, two on TV. Yeah. And then everything else is just like a bunch of lawyers, a bunch of advisors. And it's just, I mean, it's got a pretty big operation. Barbara's a um, much smaller operation. So she's got like one advisor and that's pretty much it. That's it? How many businesses does she have her fingers in on? She's Damn. mainly real estate, right? No, I mean, she sold real estate before. She sold a real estate company before she ever did Shark Tank. Okay. So, but I mean, she's got she's got quite a few now through the show that I've been doing really really well for. Her, so, man, but at some point you're like, man, I'm going into business with someone who has no time. They have money, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like, are they really going to put the time and the energy and you know the thought into it? But I know it's the exposure and everything else. Just like. I don't know. That'd just be such a struggle. Because, yeah, you want this. You, everybody wants that, you know, the, the huge deal. But yeah, the exposure is totally worth it. Like, we aired, that airs when Shark Tank was airing on a Friday night at that point. <clears throat> so it aired on Friday. By Monday morning, we had, like, had 2,400, like, requests from people wanting to open a franchise. Um, it took us, for like, a, almost to, to the following Thursday to hit somebody from, like, all 50 states. Wow. Some reason New Hampshire was the last state to have anybody submit from, which was well, some, somebody had to be last. Yeah. So at this <laughs> point, did Barbara have uh, an advisor or somebody working with you guys? Like, okay, Monday morning it's gonna get real, and you know my team's gonna come in and do something, or was she just? No, just, oh. she was just like, let us know what's going on. No way you need help. <laughs> oh my God. Because well, again, season four, like we're one of her first restaurants um, or her first franchise at all. Um, it's a lot. And so we, the deal was restructured. So she was earning a much smaller percentage. So I think like she was that involved. And I mean, she did a really good job. I and mean, she didn't like ever steer us wrong. And like, it's at that point too, like coming like off a of shark tank and like everything we had gotten so lucky with so many things along the way as yeah. far as like our growth. Um, like we just figured like we had to push this thing as fast as and as hard as we can. And like, if any advice that she would have been given us at a time would have probably been just to slow down, which I don't know how, if we would have heeded that advice or not, yeah. or we'd have been like, you're crazy. <laughs> Man. So you had, did you have somebody validating all these emails? I mean, like out of 2,400, how many are serious? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a whole process. Um, that took us, what, but we were working with a franchising company at the time to help us kind of sift through that. And we were doing... Um, we call it our discovery day where people come into town and hear a whole pitch. We were doing that like twice a week for between like 15 and 30 people at a time. Wow. And just like, and that, that's really weird. Like your first one you walk out on, you walk into, cause like we've never been to another company's discovery day. We had, we had an idea of what needed to be discussed <laughs> that day, but we had never been to anybody else's. And like all these people had like flown in from out of town and gotten hotel rooms and rented cars and, did all this stuff and we're just like wow what kind of information well. you have to give them franchise law there's actually a lot of information you can't give them <laughs> so it's I mean you can't give them any of your sales um any of your profits like any of that like what yeah like, well that's what it's like 50 grand to get a get a franchise yeah it was like 45 we, we, ours fluctuated a little bit here and there and that's but, the fee or does that give me the, does that give me the oven and the oh no uh, the just, sign that and, gives you the right to get a sign <laughs> right, 45 grand 
Well, that, that was our. Well, we started at that, and then we had it tiered down depending on how many locations you were opening. And then now I think it's settled down to like, I say twenty five thousand to get in. Which, and then by the time I get the equipment and uh, all the all the ingredients and stuff, what am I looking at? Two hundred. You'd be really lucky. For yeah, two hundred, probably a little more than that. Which is crazy because we opened our first location. I think we paid like I think we spent like twenty four hundred dollars. I mean, well, we had like used tables. We had to like buy more tables. Like every Friday, we'd go to the wow. used furniture store and around the corner buy more tables and stuff. So it started pretty rustic and like. And part of it is just like was that the the right way to do it? It was just to stay like that. So you're signing up franchisees. I mean, how many how many are we getting signed up? Uh, you know, in the first six months after Shark Tank. Um, first six months of airing. Oh, I don't know. We probably had a dozen or so. A dozen. So you got a dozen forty five thousand dollars checks coming in. You know, all of a sudden stuff's getting getting real. I mean, so you're renting a big space downtown. You office, guys have like um, a headquarters. Yeah, or we started whatever. with a, we started with a pretty small office space in a building with other offices, and then we doubled our size, and then we could have probably tripled again. And our, our footprints are really small, but we we kind of overhired at the beginning too, because again we had like all this huge rush of money, and we had all these franchises signed up, and then we're like, we had backed ourselves, I think, into this corner of did um, completely ourselves of like, well, we need to be as good and provide everything that like any other like major franchise does. And we should have realized that like what? As far as like any like the back end like office support stuff, like POS support, tech stuff? Everything. Everything. Hmm. Um just like the franchise business consultants, people doing this and that and real estate and it was like probably too much because like most companies that have three franchise locations open don't really necessarily do all that stuff <laughs> but we were like we're going to because yeah we got a giant pot of money and like this is gonna be awesome and we knew a lot of great people to hire so we um put together like a really awesome team and then like so how many how many employees um i want to say at our peak in the office we probably had like 18 employees and, wow and was like um it was a, it was way too much to begin with like we should have probably like Start a little smaller, and they're doing the marketing too. Or you have that agency on the side? No, we, nothing was being done outside. Everything was we brought everything in house. <laughs> wow! So did you guys have a commissary, or how? Uh... No, everything is cooked. Everything for every restaurant is cooked, like in the restaurant. Like so all the soups and stuff are made from scratch. Like everything. What about the donuts? Not the donuts. Donuts and bread we do not make because. And were those sourced locally for franchise, or do you have no. to send get them send send them from Cincinnati area to them? And we identified a. A baker out of um, New Jersey that we used for the bulk of the time. Once we once we reached a certain level of like, ah, eh, we're really busy, and yeah. which was part of our growth problem is we were like doing this whole franchise thing, and so we're like signing up people in the city, and they're going to open like four restaurants. This is going to be awesome. So we're like, this city's taken care of. On to the next city. Yeah. And um, but a lot of those people only open like one restaurant, and then they like didn't like follow through and open the rest and you kind of needed that whole like market saturation for like for any advertising and any kind of marketing it's the only like one restaurant selling grilled cheese in the city cannot afford radio commercials they just can't like you need to have like four or five locations there like kind of all pulling their money in and when people were hesitant in opening their second location um that caused us some issues as far as like the territories that were already sold that we couldn't like go back and resell. I was going to say, did, when you got that, when you 
when they gave the check for the 45 grand, did they say, okay, I've got Toledo, Ohio, and no one else can come in here? Whereas, like, a lot of other franchise places, well, I've just got this area of Toledo. Someone else can come into the north side of town and open a restaurant here. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, we were doing, like, whole cities, because... I think you know, we were just super excited. These people wanted to do this common chief thing with us, and we're like, these people are awesome. And I don't know, at that point, everything was going so well. You're we like, of course it's going to keep going well. This is yeah. great. But Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta, we did split up. So we at one point had four different franchises in Atlanta. Okay. But all the other cities were pretty much like, yeah, it's yours. Wow. So do these other cities get it like Cincinnati does? Um, I mean, Cincinnati lot- loves <laughs> cheese and weird food and whatever. Yeah, a lot of cities did really, really well, but what we saw, our problem, what we saw happening was we would go and, like, say, Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm like, we're going to open a store in Fort Collins. Go there, have an opening, and it would be crazy. Like, lines out the door, and it would go on for, like, months. So, why, we were, what was it, what year was Like, our second year after Shark Tank, we opened 23 locations in a year, which is, somebody our size was, is insanity to try to do that. Um, Jeez, 23. It was, there was, that was, yeah, we, we had a lot of weekends. We were having like multiple stores opening like in a week. It's like, yay. But, um, but so we're trying to react to what's happening, but it's happening so fast. So as we're opening these stores, they're getting crazy busy. They can't manage because there's like so many people in there. So we start pushing the stores to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and then, but what was happening was it was the effect from Shark Tank. People were like, oh, it's a grilled cheese place. Sell it on TV. Sell it on Tribal Channel. It looks awesome. I want to go there. So you have these people that will drive like the 45 minutes or so to like, get to your place to have your grilled cheese. But like those people are only coming to your restaurant a couple times a year at best. Like they're not the people that are going to be in there two or three times a week, which is kind of what you need to make your restaurant sustain. So once we were looking at like six months out from opening, like the sales were really dropping. And it was like... And during the whole crazy time, like, nobody wanted to spend any money on marketing. Because they're like, what do I need to market? <laughs> I've got too many people in my restaurant, like, right now. Yeah. Like, and and then, so that's their choice? Like, you don't have it written in a contract that you have to spend X amount on marketing? Oh, it's in there, but they're not going to spend it. They're not going to spend it. Like, yeah. Hmm. And because, like, you're going to get, yeah, it's like, at one point, what point to become the crazy person and being like, I'm pulling your franchise because of this. And then, like, it makes all the other franchisees nervous. So it's kind of like... I saw the founder. Yes. Yeah. 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 Great movie. Ray Kroc. Um, something else we didn't add. Your business partners are your wife, your your buddy, true, your you know longtime friend or whatever, and his wife, right? Yeah. So what what kind of stress? I mean, uh, through the success and whatnot. What what? How was that coming home and being like, oh gosh, now we? Because I mean. Honestly, in my household, we, we stress out if there's a PTA meeting next week. You know what I mean? Like, we're looking at the calendar like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do this? We have swim lessons in the morning. Then we got yeah. PTA at night. And, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine being like, oh, yeah, we have two franchises opening up in different <laughs> states. And we're on the national radar. And people, well, that's pressure, right? No, that was that was no. Okay, good. <laughs> next question. Should have probably should have been no, but it was. Um, at the time, it was. It was actually really fun because we were, like, traveling to all the openings. We were taking, like, we both had, like, young daughters with us, like, for this trip. Like, um, we shot, we went to film Shark Tank. My wife was not pregnant when it aired. We had a baby. That's how long it took. It was 10 months from the time we pitched it to the time it actually aired. So, um. What a metaphor. Yeah. So, um, no, it was fun, like, going to city to city. Like, my daughter still to this day loves, like, hotels. She's just like, I want to stay in a hotel. 
Because she had fun staying in hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't they be fun? Of course. Yeah. So, like, she really liked it. But, I mean, now that she's older and in school and stuff, it probably, if it was still continuing like that, it would be probably a little more stressful. But at the time, it was just kind of like, that's what we're doing. We're going to go to Atlanta for a week. Yeah. Just grab her, take her with us. But everybody's chilled out and, you know, you guys are in it as a family. And Yeah, it's just what we're doing. That's what we do. That's awesome. So, you sign up all these for you open up these stores. Uh, 23, is that the... That was the what, most we opened at. What a max. Um, the most we ever had opened at one time was like 37. Wow. Uh, from as Colorado as far west as you got? Um, no, they were. It's pretty much there. I guess I did look at a map exactly to figure out who, if anybody bumped out further than that. But, but like, what, what states is Tom and Chi in? All of them. Um, so, <laughs> um, we were out in, we had like a bunch of locations out in Texas. We had Salt Lake City. Um, oh, that's west. Okay. More west, yes. How so, many stores did Pete? Salt Total. Lake uh, City. Most that were ever open at one single time was 37. Total stores. Yeah. Okay. 37. So 37 pain in the ass franchisees blowing you up every day like what's or, going on? Are there, are there mul- people that own multiples? That- yeah, there are people that okay. own multiples. Yeah. Um, and then, no, I mean, it was, that was the job, was to take care of the franchisees as best we could. And um, There were some more experienced than others, or just oh, yeah. some people, I've got this pile of money, and I, I like grilled G's, and... Yeah, are these all trust fund kids, or these savvy savvy well, business restaurateurs? Yeah. It was all, all over the spectrum. We had <laughs> people that were, like, had put their whole life savings into opening a Tom and Chi, um, mm. to people who was, this is their third or fourth business that they're operating right now kind of thing doing it um people doing buying their kids restaurants which is apparently a thing now yeah because right? their kids can't get jobs so they just buy them a restaurant yeah. <laughs> and figure out where their kid can't get a job that'll, that'll keep them busy <laughs> huh. but um no, but it was like it was all over the place um who these people were and because we didn't really at that point we didn't have like like this type of person is the perfect franchisee so we were just like in part of it we were just happy anybody cared and wanted to do it, so yeah. just meeting all these people, and then um, so some of them we could have probably been a little more selective um, on who we picked, but most of them, though, I mean, at the end of the day, like we were a young franchise. Let me ask you a question here because it just it pops into my mind about Fran, but in a different vein. Uh, as many people might know, I'm a big defunct sports league nut, and the problem which happened in those situations is I've seen the notice over the years and researching all these is you get twelve. Guys, it's usually guys, folks. Don't don't mean to, but it's, you get twelve guys together, and a couple of people have a lot of money and know what they're doing, and some people have some money, and then other people have absolutely no business being in it. Is that kind of the same thing in the restaurant business, where people think, "Yeah, I've got, I got this, I got this big pile of money," and then when things get tough, they're like, "That pile wasn't really that big after all," or they just yeah. get skittish. Is that did that happen in yeah. that business? Okay, so it's for sure. Yeah, okay. it's like yeah, restaurants. When they're not running 100%, they can eat up a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like and sports teams, too. So yeah. that's the same thing. And, and people in clothing stores. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it was difficult, yeah, finding, like, picking picking the right people, really. Because, well, finding somebody that wants to be a franchisor is it's a really interesting, like, dynamic. Because you want somebody that wants to run their own business and do their own thing. But at the same time, you don't really want them to run their own business or do their own thing. Because that's why they got the franchise for, and you're yeah. like, you got rules, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> like, right. but you have to be self motivated. But within my rules of being self motivated, it's kind of like it's that weird mix of like you have to find. Yeah, it's like, it's a really 
hard, I think, to find the right person. Because, like, I personally never, like... Like, a lot of these people, like, especially some of our, like, the more opinionated franchisees, like, some of it was just, like, why did you ever want to do a franchise? Like, why didn't you just open your own restaurant? Like, you would be so much happier right now. Yeah. We would not be arguing with each other. Like, you would be doing your thing, and I'd be doing my thing. Did they want to, like, put things on the menu that you think didn't fit? Did they want to do designs for the restaurants you think were... Oh, everything. Okay. Sometimes they would just redesign the restaurant. And you'd be looking at, like, Facebook and going, like, what's that? That restaurant doesn't look like that anymore. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, so you got to get on a plane and go uh, have a talk with some guy, and I don't know. That's And it's just, it's weird. It's like, and those people, though, at some point, at the end of the day, you are just on the phone with them going, like, just, you don't really have to be a franchisee if you don't want to. We'll totally let you go. Because this is not worth it for either of us. Like, you're unhappy. I'm unhappy. But then they have to take the sign down and put up something else, and they become what, you know? Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's a sign. (laughs) <laughs> like it's in the big picture of the big picture of everything else. Would they be allowed to keep the menu? I guess you probably have to negotiate the, the release or no. But they don't want our menu anyways. Like this, okay. particular franchisees, like it's, like oh, they, they want to do their own thing anyways. And right, it's, right. Like at some point, it was just like, yeah, when I did yell on the phone, I was just like, just not cheese bagel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's more like, like we're gonna make hamburgers. With fries, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have hamburgers or fries. Yeah, there's a couple places I know that do that. Man, so so how how's the franchise set up? Do they, they they strictly just pay you a percentage of whatever they sell? Yep. Okay, so so they open up and you know you got all these stores, you know, doing well at the start, and then you're then you kind of look at the books or are, are you seeing trends or, or yeah? At I what mean, point are you like uh maybe these numbers aren't really telling me the truth or I know it's tough because you want to stay positive. Yeah. I mean, I, as a business owner, I know that it's like wow. I, you know, yeah, I got all this faith, and we're going to do all this stuff. But then at the end of the day, it's kind of like, oh, is that an iceberg out there? <laughs> and then you, you see it, and you maybe you talk about it, and, uh, well, but your business partner doesn't see that iceberg. Or, you know, you talk to your accountant. No, I don't see that. No. And then you get closer, and you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's an iceberg. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. How would you balance that? We definitely hit that point where I was pretty much like, I could see where everything was like kind of trending, and I was like... And I sent out the, the late the 3 o'clock in the morning email where I'm just like, can't sleep, freaking out about all this stuff. And like, I listed all the stuff that I was freaking out about and, like, it was not received very well. Yeah, because you're negative. Quit being negative, Corey. Yeah. So that did not get received well, and that, like, caused a, a pretty large rift for a while in the company between, like, And you were founders. right. You were. Yeah. But at the time, like... Were you right by six months? Were you right by... Was it faster than... Um, well, I mean, it was one of those things. Pretty much everything I said that was going to happen in that email eventually did happen. It, but, I mean, over some of it was, of course, over, like, a year and a half. Like, because it was, like... I mean, I was predicting, the, like, from the peak all the way down to the demise. of so, like, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, which is going to make this happen, and then this is going to happen, and then we're fucked. Wow. <laughs> like, what, what, kind of the, what kind of milestones or, or what kind of events did you, did you see coming? Well, basically, I mean, you just see that the money, the money flow, we were spending way too much money and we needed to like cut staff and we'd already cut staff some, but not to the extent that we needed to. And then and as soon um, as you do that, it ends up in the inquire and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> now you're going to, now you're going to get on our, our, uh, our side. Yes. The, but, the, yeah. The press, um, which is unfortunate because I mean, being on Shark Tank and all this other stuff does kind of raise your profile. So when the bad stuff happens, 
they went and reported. Because you're like, yeah, when we did kind of the first staff cut, yeah, I made like all like the nightly newses and stuff. And it's just like, I know we were not the only company in Cincinnati that laid off people that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, this is that we are not the only people that laid off like four people. Like, yeah. seriously. And you're probably doing it because you're smart and you're like, hey, this is, you know, this is just yeah. business and this is not because we're bad people, not because we're locking up the doors tomorrow. Yeah. And then, um, so that led to, stuff and it's kind of yeah, it's kind of snowballed from there and like at the end of the day like it was just really frustrating because when we were looking at like our total sales numbers and stuff even for a lot of these stores it was like there were just some poor choices that had been made that essentially couldn't get unmade because a lot of times this the actual like unit volume of the store wasn't bad like even like during the restaurant tours would be like that's not that bad having restaurant selling that much but then when they start looking at like the occupancy costs like just rent and stuff like that then it's that's it started to get it like started to get too high like and cause we were building these stores like way too big like some of our stores could probably be like a half to even a third of the size that they currently are and like when you're paying that much overhead for nothing like there's not much you can do to turn to turn around a restaurant if you're paying like if you're doing like, like a half a million dollars in sales at a restaurant but you're paying like a hundred thousand dollars in rent like yeah. There's nothing that can be done to save that. Yeah, that's right like, off the top. That's a lot of grilled cheese. Yeah, you can't market you can't market your way out of that. And um so that was unfortunate and um we saw that happen to our stores, we saw it happen to the franchise franchisee stores, so that was that sucked and then um which obviously has things then we started to like I guess narrow our focus and as more and more stores closed down and then we got to a point where there was like the office was running, which is like four of us in it, and it was like one of those things. Was like we could have probably been doing this the whole time with just four people. <laughs> oh yeah, but you wanted it today. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like think about all the money we'd have in the bank if for the last three years there's just been four people in this room. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you might only got you know another five or six stores open instead of thirty-seven, but yeah, but then would have given us time to to make those changes and get because we were and before it all sort of fell apart. Like I mean, we were fixing things like we were opening the smaller footprints and like spending a lot less money on the build outs and like and part of it part of our problem too I think was like not I guess standing up for ourselves to our franchisees because like we're new at this and then so we're telling somebody like the best that we know how to do this as far as like you should your restaurant should be in this kind of area and your rent should be this much and they're like but I live here and I think my rent should be this much and my my store should be this big and you're just like that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but they're like, but my store is going to do like a million dollars a year in sales. And it's like, do we have stores that do that? Yes. Is your store going to do that your first year? Probably not. And then you try to tell them and they just don't believe you. <laughs> and at some point you just like, I said, we're new at this. And we're like, maybe we're wrong. Maybe I don't know that area. Maybe that person is going to open the store and it's going to do like a million. And then it opens. And like the first three months, you're like, they're going to do their million dollars a year. And then they don't. <laughs> and they, they fall off. So where's Barbara during all this? She's in New York. <laughs> now Barbara's. Um, she was along for the I whole mean, ride. I mean, did you copy her on that three a.m. frantic email? Like, yeah, here's what's going on, lady. Yeah, I mean, she knew, and like, she had some advice. Like, um, as the as things were getting bad, and the end was like, well, not the end of the company because the company's still alive and well and opening stores but um when we were kind of getting down to like to our end of it um she, we did have a conference call with her and it was like it was a very odd because you're expecting some like some crazy advice to like save the company and stuff and she's just like just quit she's <laughs> like just walk away she's like you wake up tomorrow morning the sun will be brighter 
Wow. So the grass will be greener. You'll feel so much better if you just quit. Because she's done that plenty of times, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And she's not like, everything she's done has touched a gl- or turned to gold. Right? Yeah. And she's just like, you'll feel so much better. But we were still like, we're not going to give up. We're going to push this through. Because at this point, we knew that um, Gold Star was going to buy the brand. And we wanted to. So those talks have already been happening. Yeah. They, they were slowly happening in the background for a long time. Because we had gotten ourselves into like some debt with some people that was like there was no the direction the company was going there was no way out of that debt so it was like I mean, those talks were going on for and, and really how quietly get, in the how did they get involved they approach you do you approach them did you know somebody that um, knew them or? Roger David that's the um, president of Gold Star friend of the show friend of the show yeah, yep. episode was, something he's yeah. we was our, him. Um, was on our um, <laughs> board of advisors oh okay so he kind of knew even like, he knew everything that was happening so it was like so at that point we just wanted to make sure it was still, like, the brand was still alive by the time Gold Star got into a position to, like, take over the brand. Because, like, yeah, because it would have been easier just to have been like, screw it. We'll walk out the door. Yeah. <laughs> and and is your phone blowing up like every day that. from creditors and all that stuff? Like, I, like, like I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, you're, you're looking at, at debt, but, I mean, it's not it's still on the business side, right? Like, you're not, like, losing houses and cars and all that stuff. No. Good. So, <laughs> the power of an LLC. Yes, right. we didn't really. We never took enough money out of out of the company to have anything worth seizing. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's looking back. It's one of the most depressing things. Is trying to figure out who made the most money out of Tom and Chi. This is like it wasn't us. <laughs> and you're looking around. It's like yeah. think that guy made a lot of money off us. That's <laughs> like, always how it goes. But um. So, but now it's like. It's interesting because like we did the transition over to Gold Star, and then um, I stuck around for about nine months after that, I think. And then I kind of like have now like kind of off on my own again, trying to figure out something. Yeah. So so was that in like the the buyout contract or whatever that you had to stick around and show them kind of how you do things, or did you did you plan on maybe sticking around long term, and you're just like, man, this isn't. No, it was. Um, I, mean, I think that'd be depressing. It was like, okay, this isn't mine anymore. You know what I mean? It's like you're, all of a sudden you're, you're driving, or someone else is driving your car. Um, that didn't really bother me because, like, you're I was so fo- you got yeah, out. Yeah, and I was so focused on. It was still alive. Yeah, and I was so focused on so many things. It was nice at that point to almost be able to start to re- not to focus on everything because, like, I mean, there was only like yeah, four of us in there. Like, we had to like run the business as a business, like run the restaurants our restaurants as restaurants and then we also had the like there's a whole money raising side of it trying to like raise people could raise the money to pay off all of our debts and that was like taking up like 20 hours a week just going to random meetings and telling everybody the same depressing story <laughs> and you're like and then this is the part where it all went wrong oh. <laughs> and then, and then, so doing that so having all that like go away was pretty nice and then having a bunch of experienced people who've been doing this for years to like help you stay focused on what's important and what's not important. Like when you're you're getting so like dug in on something and then like having somebody go, does it really matter? No, doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't really. Why am I worried about this? And like, so Barbara was right. Yeah. Just like just yeah. let it go. Well, going back, uh. well, it goes back. You get the whole thing. You could even argue Mark Cuban was right. Because if we would have went Mark Cuban's way, we would have grown a lot slower. Yeah. And probably wouldn't have ended up in massive debt or <laughs> who knows. Maybe you never know. But but is the food business built that way? It seems like the food business is very franchise heavy, but say 
for example, the retail apparel business. Is there no franchise gaps or old navies or things like that? It just seems food lends itself to that, or is that just the way things have worked out? Because uh, I think Starbucks isn't franchised. They're they're yeah. all company-owned. Yeah, interesting with Chipotle. I mean, there's hmm. a lot to be said for both. Um, but restaurants, though, I think do work because, like, at the end of the day, the franchisor, like... It's the whole thing that makes me laugh. Like, Subway, like, you get no territory there. If you have a franchise, like, they can sell your franchise, and they can sell your neighbor a franchise, and you can both open Subways and be neighbors. Across the street from each other. Yep. I don't, because, <laughs> well, because, like, they look at it, I think, from the viewpoint of, like, if we have one store, we're going to get, like, 100% of the sales. But if we open two stores, and they pick up an extra 10% between them, so one's doing 55% of what the original was, the other one's doing 55% of the original, they still get their cut off that extra 10%. There they you go. They don't care where how it came in. So I think there's a lot mm. of that that goes in French. And plus, I mean, a lot of restaurants, once they're a restaurant, it's really easy to, to keep them restaurants because the equipment's, most of the time, the equipment's already there. So it's, like, really easy for people to get into the restaurant business, I think. I think it's, so it kind of lends itself, and then they want to be a part of something bigger, so they end up, like, as a franchise, because it's like, they'll tell me how to do my books, and do all the stuff I don't know how to do. Did you ever uh, approach, like, Yum! Brands out of uh, Louisville? I mean, don't they have, like, KFC and Taco Bell? Not, and we weren't, we did not get big enough for them to care. Yeah, you have so to I'm get like, a man, I mean, Taco Bell's always looking for roommates. I'm like, that might be a good situation, where a Taco Bell over here and a Tom and Chi, right, you know? On the yeah. other side, and uh, yeah, they want you to get about a hundred locations before they, before they care. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Makes sense. And they wanted to be spread out, like, like having a um, hundred like gold stars here doesn't do you any good to them. Yeah. Because they're like, yep, you can sell a lot of chili in Cincinnati. Man. <laughs> and like, so where's where's Tom and Chi right now? I mean, I know that you know the, the company's still uh, alive, and are you are they growing or what? Like, what's how many franchises are open today? Good question. Um, I think it's, about, like, it's about a dozen. I was going to say, I think it's about 12 right now if you count Kings Island. Okay. Which we have been, opening Kings Island was crazy. We should, I think that would have been a good place to focus some of our attention because. Yeah. Captive audiences always work really well. I think that's why we always did well with the levy too. And now that they're going to redo that whole levy complex, it's going to, I think, really, really help the sales down there too. Uh, oh, totally. Up. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think. And they're just like they're opening a lot smaller locations. Like the um, like our biggest one, I think we ever opened was like thirty five hundred square feet, which is stupid big. Yeah, I think now we've opened the the latest ones that have been opening have been opening around between twelve to fourteen hundred. So it's like, yeah, Man. a third the size. What about just delivery? Why why do you need? Uh, no one wants to eat in the restaurant in these days. Um, some of our stores. Um, do you do more sales on Uber Eats? I think about thirty-three percent. I have a couple of stores that are ground thirty. Is it that much? Wow! Just going all out through. Is, is carry out or like through the apps? Through the apps, and but that also goes into a lot of like business stuff too, like like yeah. our whole business catering during the day. That, that's a whole. That's a dog that opens instead of fleas. Yeah, for and sure. like and grilled cheese is like I mean it does like the packaging we figured out works pretty well for travel, but it's not the most travel friendly like when we originally started packaging it we were just doing a straight like wax paper roll up your sandwich like a deli kind of thing and that doesn't travel at all because the moisture from the, the hot grilled cheese just makes a big gooey ball and... yeah that probably wouldn't yeah. be good about yeah, yeah. a half hour after they made it yeah. <laughs> but the boxes that they're using now are they got a lot more air a lot of more ventilation so the air can circulate and um, 
It, it does. It holds for a good 20 minutes. Man. That was a fun experiment day, too. Just bringing up food and just letting it sit there. Like, yeah. <laughs> just asking if this question is kind of a, a, a food uh, and franchise restaurant expert. Do you see the business moving in a way that is more uh, carry out Uber Eats friendly? Like people focusing on things that travel well or ways to make it travel well because that seems to be the yeah. big challenge. Well, I think we've seen a lot of like bigger cities too, not Cincinnati quite yet. Is yeah, where you're at restaurants that's all they do is that. Oh yeah, what do they travel. call those? Not Phantom Restaurant. What do they call where there's no dining room? It's just what's the name for that? Um, that is a big trend. But what the heck do you call it? Um, people are yelling at their uh, their devices right now. But yeah, there's places that are just the kitchen and it's yeah. all delivery. Yeah, you run straight to commissary. I mean, it makes sense. Um, you need to have a pretty dense population to do that. Because I think in that route, it's better just to like. Just do one or two things really well. Yeah. And get yeah. about the people. Yeah, right. you come up with a brand that's Chinese food and a brand that's burgers and the brand that's fried chicken. And it's all the same kitchen and no one knows. Yeah, this um show virtual, is virtual restaurants, is that what they're called? Yeah, you could probably, probably I think that's what that's called. I like that name. I'm gonna look that up. There's a um, <laughs> there's an actual name for this. Netflix show called Million Pound Menu and there's a guy. It's, it's a million pound menu because it's based in England, so it's like pounds, not. Oh, okay. Because that threw me for a minute. I, didn't. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a lot of food. And I was like, that's a terrible name for a show. It's like and a I'm cheesecake like, factory. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's like Shark Tank, but just for restaurants. Like, I get it. Because um, you get like a million dollars to set up your restaurant kind of concept, but it wasn't really ever, though. Oh, God. Yeah. It wasn't ever the prize, but that's what they were sh- shooting for. But they had a guy that was. Uh, restaurant was called the Trap Kitchen, and basically, like. Like two thirty, I think is what he said. Two hundred and thirty plates, like a day, like three times a week at his mom's kitchen, and it was like limey. It was pretty funny. <laughs> they were pretty much he was pretty much running it like a drug operation. It was really funny because wow. <laughs> they were he was up there with his mom cooking, and he had runners that were running the food like down like because it was like a, a pretty big apartment complex. So they were running them down to the cars in the street. who were like waiting for their food and like just giving them their food, and they were doing it was like lobster tail, mac and cheese. Some shrimp and much other. It was like the only thing he made. Is this like in a densely populated like central London, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it was just like it was just crazy. It was like watch it. But the poor guy didn't move very on, far, far along in the show because then they got him into a commercial kitchen space. He's just like, yeah, I don't know what any of this stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I cook in my mom's kitchen. Oh, that's nuts. <laughs> well, they should make the commissary like that, just a little bigger. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us what you're doing now. You're doing. You're back to t-shirts. Doing yeah. some fun. Uh, I've been following your Instagram at the. The the bleached co yeah the bleached dot co yeah it's so what's uh, that all about I've something I've messed around with for a while even when we had time achieve is basically just taking t shirts and drawing on them with bleach and it's um, fun ways to do them is like giveaway shirts for time achieve just every once in a while we'd make like a quick video and then if you did the whole like liquor video we enter to win and we give some stuff away and it's something um, I've always liked doing so I've been kind of messing with it more and more and trying to see if I can turn it into like a real business. Cool. Somebody you'll care about. <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've seen them on your your Instagram. You told me about it a couple weeks ago, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. You just take this little bleach pen and make like really cool stuff. It's a, this isn't just like little hokey designs. I've got Death Star. How long did that take you to do the Death Star? Death Star is about two hours because there's a lot of little tiny lines in the Death Star. Man, <laughs> so if you did a Cincinnati one, could we like give it away or uh, you know promote it on our social media and all that stuff? Sure. Yeah. You uh whatever whatever you want. Just a Cincy just a bleach Cincy shirt. Sure. How about that? 
And you can only do them one at a time. It's not like you can't mass produce these things yet. Yeah, no, just do it. I've been actually steering away from the pen now, too. I've been doing a lot with just a paintbrush and stuff, because, like... Huh. Yeah, you get, like, gradients and stuff in there. It's not just, like, straight... You're wearing one right now. Sorry, I'm just staring at your chest. Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot going on there. It's not just, like, black and white. Yeah, you know, it's, like, it's a lot of... It's really, really cool stuff. Black and peach. Man, <laughs> see, now you need 18 employees making these things. <laughs> Franchise it out. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So. Cool. So, yeah, it's been starting, and we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, that's... Something fun. I, I just wanted to get to the point where I was making something again. Like, yeah. I mean, was it was it a struggle afterwards? Like, you know, once you know you're not not even working for Tom and She anymore. Like, kind of. Then what? What was your mental state? Or that's fine. The weird part is this: like that whole like when you tell people about it, like the what happened. Every once in a while, they get that sort of like disappointed look in their face, where they're like, "Oh, that sucks for you." <laughs> and it's kind of like, eh, it is what it is. Yeah. It doesn't attack. It doesn't suck that bad, but uh, yeah. But it's again, it's still alive. <laughs> That's the thing people remember. I mean, you face some yeah. ca- people need to take away from this. You face some tough challenges, which yeah. are very stressful, and you got it to where, like, again, going back to the sports thing, these things turn out one of two ways. If in, historically, the thing goes completely out of business, everybody loses their ass, or some some of the people survive and get into the established league, and you got into the established league. You get you got it to survive that far, and it's it's, it's still going. People and people still love it, by the way. Yeah, that's the thing. And people still stand Tom and She, where there Tom and where there are still Tom and She locations. So yeah, that's the other thing people need to keep in mind. Yeah, and it's yeah. So even when we do certain like, it's on social media. A lot of like the responses we get is easily people in source areas where we've closed, and they're like, "Come back." Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. just like, oh. Someday. Say it does get another amazing burst of energy from something, and there's 5,000 franchises. Is there any anything you're written in the contract that you can, you know, some sliver percentage thrown your way from, for starting it, or is it no. just... Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so... So on to the next one. Yeah. Yep. But that's, I don't know, you're creative, you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're going to get uh, something rolling. You got that energy that's not, not going to be stopped or held back. I can feel it. Thanks. And uh, anyway, so yeah, so thanks for coming on and telling the story. I, know, I don't know, have you really told it publicly to anybody? or I uh, did some small random meetings. I told it to a bunch of accountants a couple months ago. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Quit telling your clients they're doing good. <laughs> Anyway, so that's awesome. So, at the end of our podcast, we like to allow the guest or to give us one word or phrase, um, and this this word will be used as a promo code on CincyShirts.com or in our stores. You can come in our stores and you can yell out this code or phrase, and you will get twenty percent off your order. So, what would you like your amazing code to be? Grilled cheese donut. Grilled cheese donut. That should work. All right. All one word, grilled cheese donut. And also, we want to add, too, that uh, this podcast is a lot of fun. Seems like we're uh, we're really getting some, some traction. People seem to be enjoying it. Um, and there's different ways that you can uh, support, the, support show. the show if you guys are, are into that kind of thing. You can actually, right now, we don't really want to set up like a subscription quite yet. We want to try some different things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, man, this is taking a lot of time and energy. People are liking it. We got to start making something from it uh, if we want to keep doing this. Because tell you what, the t-shirt business in the summertime and uh, actually any time anymore is just uh, 
bonkers and conversations, you know, with business and whatnot. Bottom line, we got to start bringing in some cash, folks. Um, so if you would be so kind, go to uh, PayPal. Uh, you can donate just by sending sending $2, $5, anything will help to uh, podcast at cincyshirts.com. And I believe you can also Venmo. You can Venmo. And if you have a business, again, it's a Cincinnati-focused audience, as you can probably tell if you're listening to the show. So if you have something you want to advertise, you can contact that email as well and We'll let you know what, what the deets are. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, but if not, cool. Keep listening. Uh, Absolutely. Tell your friends. That's all we ask, really. It's, people seem to like what we're doing, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. So let's keep doing it, you guys. Cool. But yeah, Corey Ward, Tom and Chi, the Bleached Shirt Co. Or the Bleached Co. What is it again? Sorry. It's the Bleached.co. The Bleached.co. Uh, check him out follow all, all of his adventures uh, Corey thanks so much for coming in thanks for having me sweet who's a shark baby has such teeth there and it shows them pearly white just a jackknife has old Maggie baby and it keeps it out of sight Corey Ward Yep, Tom and Chi is still going under the umbrella of Gold Star, again, one of our partners. And uh, yeah, people still dig it, and the plans are to open more restaurants across the U.S. Uh, I think they're going to concentrate on the Midwest to begin with, but yeah, it's still on, as they say in Britain. If you're enjoying the podcast, you're liking what you hear, uh, you can donate to the podcast via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com to do so, and just chip in whatever you feel is fair. Uh, that We don't care. Uh, it's small, large. We'll take anything. Uh, it does take a lot of effort to get this thing out every week, so uh, it's much appreciated. And if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just mail podcast at cincyshirts.com again, and put podcast guest in the subject line, then tell us who you'd like to hear on the show. And also, that's a new email for the show, by the way. You can also use info at Cincy Shirts to send us a message, but it's faster now to use podcast at cincyshirts.com. And, of course, be sure to tell your friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. And if you haven't already, check out the podcast archives, of course. Uh, we've got oh, all kinds of folks back there. Of course, Roger David, the Gold Star CEO, is back there as well. Bill Donabedian, the guy that uh, founded the Bunbury Music Festival and still books it. Greg Hamilton from WWE. The Hen of the Wood guys, we mentioned them in the episode. Uh, that was an interesting one. John Keysweater talking about WKRP and uh, all kinds of local and national TV. Actress Amy Yazbeck from Blue Ash talking about her movie and TV career. Uh, the, uh, oh, Dean Gregory from Montgomery and had some great stories about Bob Hope and George Bush. Uh, lots of fun there. And from the sports world, of course, we've had uh, Pete Rose. Um, he's had, let me see, uh, Mo Egger and uh, Cash Wright, Nick Mathis, the former NBA official. Fascinating stuff. And then uh, we've also had some non-celebrities who've had some very popular episodes. One of the most popular would be Haunted Cincinnati and Abandoned Cincinnati. Those two can be found in the archives as well. And uh, we're going to have Ronnie Salerno, by the way, talking about Abandoned Cincinnati again in an upcoming episode, possibly as soon as next week. So we only did about a half hour on that. And there's, of course, there's so much to talk about there. So today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage cheese from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and many more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We've got a lot of defunct teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, and the like, uh, similar to Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is... Grilled Cheese Donut, and it's Donut, D-O-N-U-T. So Grilled Cheese Donut, all one word, 
And you can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. And of course, you can always use that in our physical, or as we say, brick and mortar stores in Over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a review wherever you get the show from. And as always, download or stream this next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.